And I am recording. It is never that simple with Ramon. I uh, just wanted to get in some real quick uh, to discuss about NBA basketball. Uh, the th- me, three main things I wanted to talk about was the Boston Celtics, the Houston Rockets, and the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, um, first and foremost, my name is Ramon. Uh, this is kind of a, a, a baby podcast. Something in the moment is real late, but I wanted to get right into it. All right, so Boston Celtics right now are struggling as a team. You have Brad Stevens. Uh, people love him as a coach, arguably probably the second or third best coach in the NBA right now, uh, especially uh, because of the talent he was able to have around him and the way he coaches Boston to play to get as far as possible in the Eastern conference uh, with the help of Danny Ainge in a way he knows how to uh, chess his way into great moves. Uh, Right now they are struggling and I feel like people tend to lose perspective about where Boston is right now and where they were last year. I feel like people have so many, so, so the high hopes on Boston because they went seven games against the Cavs where they probably should have won. They should have been in the NBA Finals. That people would have loved to see a more appealing NBA Finals instead of a final sweep uh, with the Warriors swept the Cavs. And people thought that going to this year with everyone getting better, the talent that they had and players kind of coming back to fit within the team and the concept and the coaching, they will be the team to, you know, maybe beat Boston. But I feel like what gets lost is we would have viewed Boston totally different right now if Boston would have lost its the seventh game against Milwaukee in the first round. Uh, people would have had so many questions when it comes to, okay, well, they didn't have Kyrie. Okay, well, they didn't have Hayward. So let's see how this good this team can be. And what kind of changed everything was when you go seven games against the Bucks that realistically didn't have a coach. And then you go into the second round. People thought Philly was going to be the team to get to the finals. You look at how dominant Simmons was. You look at how dominant Embiid was. You look at the shooters around him. People thought, okay, Philly is the team to beat. Only to see how Philly fell apart going against Boston. And so people had, you know, was really excited. Like, wow, Boston is probably this good and they have all this young talent that's able to thrive right now. We can't wait till we get Kyrie. We can't get, wait to get Gordon Hayward. And then you go into uh, the Cleveland series and how they played hard against them and winning seven games and lost. And I feel like that kind of gets lost perspective that there's a difference between how we judge Boston is literally just a thin line between if they lost would have lost game seven of round one and dominating Philly and how we viewed Philly. That I think that was more uh, about Philly than about how great Boston can be. But look, we want to get excited about things. People want to get excited about a team that could potentially beat the Warriors. Warriors, that's what ended up happening going into the season. Right now, they're struggling. And, you know, Brad Stevens has to figure everything out. I feel like it's, it's a Someone irony about how we uh, view Boston, maybe overrate some players. I know Jason Tatum's someone everyone loves, but it's a coach in LA that's kind of dealing with the same thing. But the offense seemed to it seemed to be going a little a little smoother. But that coach is in the hot seat. Understandable, you can't compare Hayward to LeBron James, but we'll get into the Lakers later. Now to the Rockets. Um, the Houston Rockets tend to. Um, 
seemed like they 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 really had people excited. Similar to Boston, uh, we seen what they did last year, and it's like okay, we can do the same thing again this year. Um, you, you lose some important pieces pieces that people feel like defensively helps. Uh, you have Ariza, who was a three and D guy, elite three and D guy, and they feel like they made a change. What people don't realize is. You have this hope that they can repeat everything they did last year. When you had the dominance, when you had Harden, you had Paul, and you have Capella on the floor all at the same time. Um, you know, hopefully Chris Paul holds up throughout the season, throughout the playoffs, and doesn't get injured, right? But what I feel like people have failed to realize is the biggest problem with the Rockets is something that I feel like people need to appreciate the Warriors more about. The Rockets was literally minutes away from going to the NBA Finals, more likely beating the Cavs, right? They missed 27 three-pointers in a row in Game 7. So the biggest problem, to to it's like it's hard to get up and you have to go through the motions in a regular season. You have to go out here and fight and play these long games and, and get a, a number one seed again and feel like we're going to do the same thing we did last year and we're going to get exactly to that same point that we did last year. We, if we have to, we're going to get to another game seven with the words. We're not going to make the same mistakes. But the problem is, is you still have to go out here and put full effort to Try to get to that point. It's never going to be that easy. And as you see, that's how it's affecting the Houston Rockets. Yeah, we could talk about defense and things like that. But even if the team was better defensively, even on offense, you could still be a great shooting team. You you still have to somewhat reinvent yourself now because outside of the Warriors, the Rockets felt like, well, we can beat those guys. But remember, other teams are going to more likely chase are more likely chasing the Rockets also because they have a target on their back. Right. And now you have to go out here and you can't go through the motions. You still you still have to fight to get to that point again. Right. And so right now, that's the Rockets are dealing more with that than anything else. And so now it's about coaching. Who really trusts Mike D'Antoni? What can we do to say, okay, I think Mike D'Antoni can do this again. Now, we've seen Mike D'Antoni be successful with the Phoenix Suns. We see Mike D'Antoni come in with the Knicks and seems like he, the germ, the, the Lynn situation is, oh, he created a star out of nowhere. But the problem is, is, now you really have to do more than just we're going to go out here and run a fast-paced offense. We're going to have a, uh, be a shooting team, and I'm still the guy who started all of this while every every team is playing faster and shooting a lot more threes and, and has a point guard, and they basically have two point guards in Harden and Chris Paul, depending on how you view them. But, you know, to get us where we need to go and also have a pretty good young big man in the pick and roll. And I don't I'm not confident that the Rockets are going to get to that point again. Uh, obviously, you have Carmelo Anthony. Uh, I, you know, I, it should be better coaching. There's some issues behind the scenes. I feel like they uh, blackballed Carmelo because they wanted to bring a guy back who was a defensive guy that they had last year who coached Carmelo early in his career and it didn't go too smooth. So I honestly think the agreement was, hey, I'll come back. But I don't want to coach with Melo. And you see that some of the reports are coming out saying that, hey, 
They didn't even talk to Chris Paul or they didn't talk to James Harden about this mellow situation, which that says about a lot about what the Rockets were doing behind the scenes and being very sneaky. And I feel like that could affect the team. Now, to the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron has joined the Lakers. Everyone's happy. That's dope. Things like that. Uh, you have Ray John Rondo, Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, um, and you add a Michael Beasley. And then you have the guys who I like to call the young core four. So that means you have Delonzo Ball, you have Brandon Ingram, you have Kyle Kuzma, and you have Hart, right? And what I find interesting is people have spent so much time looking at that. These vets are going to help these young guys be better and be more prepared for key moments to eventually be um, these franchise uh, type uh, game-changing players for the Los Angeles Lakers, and they're going to you know be plugged in with LeBron James, with the coaching of um, Luke Walton, and you're going to have Magic Johnson. You're going to have Robert Palenka, uh, Rob Palenka right there, and you you know under the tutelage of Kobe Bryant whenever that phone call is needed. And I feel like what's what people tend to um, how can I say this? Not realize that some of the mistakes that we've seen this year has came from the same vets that we are expecting to be the guy for the young players. You know, the late game free throw misses by LeBron James. The 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 issue with the whole Rondo and Chris Paul. You know, Rondo put himself in a situation where he was suspended for some games. And also it didn't help because of Brandon Ingram. But there's a difference between the 33, 34-year-old Rondo and the 20-year-old Ingram, right? And I find it funny that people spend so much time and they're ready to criticize the young guys about what they're doing and not doing when some of the key mistakes that we have seen has came from the guys that we're seeing that's supposed to be teaching these young guys how to be better, how to grow within the NBA. And it's weird how we are judging the young core four because the young core four is very open-minded. Whatever they're asked to do, they will do it while trying to improve their game and what, you know, improve what they're great at already and also work on the things they need to work on. Right. You know, it's hard for me to sit here and say, you know, I'm confident in what uh, the system that's evolved around LeBron James, how that helps the young players. Right. Because right now there are certain things in the the vets games that they still need to work on that they was never that great at. And I understand that they can tell the young guys that, hey, look. I will never I'm never the shooter. I was never the same player you was at the age of 20 or 21. Wow. You know, and, and I'm just here to tell you that this is how you continue to be a professional. You go in and focus game in and game out. Right. But my biggest problem is we forget that LeBron James has his own system and usually any player that plays with LeBron James, stats tend to be suppressed. They tend to have to re, um, event, reinvent themselves and 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 when it comes to what role they play with the team in, in the team concept, playing with LeBron. You know, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, he was a 20 and 10 guy. All of a sudden, he was a 12 and 8 guy, or he had to be a 15 and 8 guy. And people thought that, oh, well, Chris Bosh have to do this. And all of a sudden, Chris Bosh became a pick and pop 
guy, almost shooting more threes a game. Same thing with Kevin Love. He was basically a 20 and 15 guy with his eyes with his eyes closed. And he basically had to become a 15 and 10 guy and shoot way more threes. And yes, it it can win you championships because you have a LeBron James. But I don't get why people are expecting Lonzo Ball, Ingram, and Kuzma to be averaging 20 points a game. That makes no sense, especially playing with LeBron James. LeBron is going to get his 25, 26, 27, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. He's going to be the guy who he's going to hold the ball and try to figure out, okay, this uh, either I'm going to get to the hoop or I'm going to make the right pass. And even though he's playing around a lot of guys who last year was used to playing with Lonzo, he was quick moving the ball and, you know, you don't have to part the, you know, um, dribble the ball into the ground. You know, you constantly move and rotate and set picks and things like that. And on occasion, those guys stand and let whoever do what they do, do what they do. Right. Um, same thing with um, Rajon Rondo. You know, he's a guy that always wanted to have the ball in his hand to control the offense and that everything runs through, you know, how he dictates the offense. But for anyone who's expecting things to, you know, be the same as last year statistically and be better for these young guys, it's just going to be very difficult to happen. You know, I, you know, like if you take away LeBron James and, and maybe Rondo, maybe even keep Rondo. You know, I I hear Magic say that, you know, this is going to be Lonzo's most important summer of his life, right? Going into his second year, even though he had a knee injury, he didn't play basketball for five months. He came back pretty, you know, right now he's doing really well. His shot improved. He gained 20 pounds and it was a lot of muscle involved in that. The thing about it is the guy averaged 10 points a game, seven rebounds a game, seven assists a game, 1.7 steals a game, and about a block a game. And he wasn't shooting too well. He was shooting just under 40% from the floor and just above 30% from three-point. The thing about playing with LeBron James is, unfortunately, you know, Lonzo might have to average that again. Now, his percentages might go up. Well, it will go up, and they are up due to the fact that he's improved his shot. But the problem is, is if people are expecting Lonzo to be a 15-10-10 guy like what uh, ben Simmons was last year, that's going to be very difficult playing with a LeBron, playing with a Rondo. If everybody, you know, Ingram can be the guy to average 20 points a game, but then you're also a- asking Kuzma to be a 20 point uh, uh, guy a game. So basically what people look at is, hey, the Lakers can have three guys on the same squad that can average 20 points a game. And also they're going to have three guys on the same squad to average 10 assists a game. And that, and all at the same time, they can all average over seven rebounds a game because they all are taller, longer players. And it makes no sense. People lack perspective. And it comes down to Luke Walton and figuring out what directly works for everyone. I understand that, you know, nobody want to step on toes of Rondo. No one step on toes of LeBron because they know what they're doing. But the only problem is this. You can't. You can't tell me that people are expecting young guys to step up and do things where every time I turn around, it seems like the perspective is lacking in what the expectations are for the young players. And that's why this ultimately come down to this. I've been waiting the whole time to say this. Lonzo Ball can be the point guard version of Draymond Green. Lonzo Ball is great at 
everything. He's a good defender. He can rebound. He's a great passer. He he runs an offense. He makes sure that he knows where everyone is supposed to be. How the the how the offense flows, the defense, and that is something Draymond Green does for the Warriors, right? And because of that, that allows everyone else to be great at what they do, which is scoring, right? So now what ends up happening is if you put that right in in proper perspective, that's how Lonzo thrives and that's how those other players thrive, right? And so what ends up happening is I feel like someone like LeBron might have to take a step back for the team to take five steps forward, right? Because people are saying, well, we need to know if we can trust these guys. Look, they, they're as trustworthy as what you are willing to teach them. We already know how talented they are. So you can't come in here and say, yeah, we're here to teach these guys and we're going to teach them. And, and then they're, they're, they all, they are been, they've been open ears. They've been open arms and everything. They are happy that you are here. Right. But then at the same time, you can't people can't sit here and point the finger and say, well, I don't think they're ready. and They can't be trusted. Well, what you know, then maybe people are not that confident in the teachings of the Rondo and the uh, Luke and the LeBron. Then like people can't you you have to be set on what your expectations are and what works for the Lakers, right? And so that's why I say Lonzo Ball can be the Draymond Green of this squad, right? He can be great at everything else and everyone can do what they do best and that's scoring. And it's pretty much that simple. So, um, so much more to say, but I just wanted to make sure I say that and, um, you know, I know other rookies right now, uh, well, second-year players that people really like. Um, it's weird because, you know, though these other players don't have the same pressure Kuzma, Ingram, Hart, or Alonzo has. Matter of fact, when people are saying, well, Lonzo can and cannot do this, I like this player better. When you are just a scorer, you, you just plug and play. Hey, go out here and shoot the ball. But when you are pure point guard, you you have to literally think and know everything else is going on around you. You know, it would be easier if, Ron, if Lonzo can go out here and be like, I'm just focused on my game. But Lonzo has to make sure, okay, is B.I. good? Okay, how is Kuzma doing? Okay, I, gotta get, I have to give him the ball here. I have to know when to attack here. Compared to you could have a guy in the system. You could have Donovan Mitchell who he has the great defender there. He has some really good role players. So Mitchell come out here, he can create. He can get himself 10 assists if need be. But he's out here, all I have to do is to score 20 points and then make sure that I can get my team ahead and everybody else do what they do best. The same thing you look at Jason Tatum. You already have a better defender in Jalen Brown uh, and a, a potentially elite and athletic defender in Jalen Brown, right? You have somebody who can get his own shot in Kyrie Irving. So if their shots are off, all right, you go to Jason Tatum to score. You're not looking at Jason Tatum to get you 10 assists a game. You're not listening to Jason Tatum get 10 rebounds a game, even though you know it's preferable that he get 10 rebounds a game because it helps out Horford, right? And same thing right now with the Kings. People love De'Aaron Fox. He's getting his stats. He's doing his thing. They're playing fast. But he's basically trying to make sure this team is not a lottery team. You know, and they have a bunch of young guys that's his age on the team. You know, 
uh, Dennis Smith Jr. You know, you bring in uh, uh, the 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 one of the best um, European players of all time <laughs> at 19 years old uh, coming in, uh, Luca, and you know he you don't ask so much of Dennis Smith Jr. The same, you know, the Mavericks are not doing it the way the Lakers are doing with Lonzo, and so. It's you have to keep this in proper perspective. I, and what's insulting is people love listen to the media and the guys who watched, you know, they cover certain things and they, they, they tend to kind of, you know, summarize, but with no context, with no deep perspective, with no understanding the, the details of what the expectations are, what is, you know, looked upon these guys. And it starts off with understanding guys playing with LeBron. That it, your stats will be suppressed. You won't be able to do everything that you want to do because playing with him. But now it, it though that it still plays a role that they will be looked to to know how to handle pressure situations. And so that's that. And uh, yeah, so thank you for listening. It's over twenty minutes, and uh, hopefully this works out. Um, I did it. So y'all take care. <laughs>